Hey there, Haunted Heart listener. We know you came here for some Netflix and Kill realness, and we're going to give that to you. But first, we have a really quick announcement before this week's episode that we're super excited to share with you. Yes. Starting this week, Netflix and Kill will be presented in partnership with the Dark Universe Horror Database. Now, this won't change anything for the way that you access the show. You can still find us on all of your regular podcast feeds, as well as our website, thehauntedheart.com. But in addition to all those places, our show will now be featured on the Dark Universe Horror Database website under the podcast tab. Yes, we're really excited for this because the Dark Universe Horror Database has amazing content on their website where you can find things about upcoming trailers, Blu-rays and DVDs, all sorts of articles on all of your favorite horror films. So we're very excited to welcome the folks at Dark Universe Horror Database into our haunted hearts and we hope that you'll check them out online at du hd com to find new ways to stay, stay spooky. Is that a machete in your pocket, sir, or are you just happy to see me? I'm just saying, why wouldn't you check the back seat? I'm just not here for it. I kind of enjoyed the axe to the face. Ooh, hey there, Mr. Monster. So, chill or kill? doing folks it's another episode of netflix and motherfucking kill that's true it's a good opportunity to get on our bullshit with netflix and kill as well right right, because that's all we have to do the world said we shutting it down i just want to know like what the people at netflix like like what are they doing right now they probably are working working their asses off i'm gonna tell you what the people at netflix the people that work for these like remote meeting places mm-hmm. they are like living their best life i feel like or their worst depending probably on the situation. their worst it's probably like tax season for them for cpas most likely and Do- all the cpas are fucking panicking because they're not gonna get paid until like three months later well, now that's true <laughs> shit that is true but it is a perfect opportunity for us to sit on our couches and be potatoes and be netflix potatoes and watch everything that is on that list of yours because we're looking at you we know your list is is piled up or at least katie's is anyway. mine is I, I, every time somebody suggests something to us i'm like i'll add it to my list mm-hmm. my list is like fucking miles long katie is like, a notorious mm. add to my watch lister i love a list you know I, we might not ever get any of it done but we're gonna i like to save it up and then do it in like spurts like we'll do nothing on the list for like six weeks mm-hmm. and then we're gonna do everything on the list in six hours so kind of like everyone's <laughs> sex life during this quarantine great <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, I've noticed that though. We would go through and then try to look for something. Katie's like, I'll oh, just add that. That sounds good. Add that. Add, add that, that to, to my, my list. list. Add that to my list. We love a list. Um, whereas me, I'm just like, I don't have a list at all. 
Yeah. I don't have anything on my Netflix watch list. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Really? I don't do it. You don't no. like save things for later? No, I don't. So do you just do it all in the moment? Like, yeah. Like, what's the deal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, if I see something I like, I'm in the moment, and I'll watch it, or I'm just like, hmm, I'll come back to that. You, you just expect that you're going to be able to find it in the chaos of the universe, that, like, you'll come across it again? Yeah. I'll remember. If it's something that I really want to watch, mm-hmm. I will note it in my mind and then watch it like a normal person well i fucking wish i trusted myself that much i i let me tell you what baby i have trust issues we gonna put that on that list because it might run from us or abandon us yeah that's true sad truth well Um, what was on our list though to watch so this week what was on our list is 2017 gerald's game Mm mm-hmm um, it's an adaptation for those that don't know of a Stephen King novel. Um, and we actually didn't watch this one together. You had watched it first and told me that I would really like it, that I should watch it. Um, and I watched it a little bit after you. So we didn't have that experience of sitting beside each other and watching it, which okay. is always, I mean, it always makes me a little sad, but, um, but how it does good. it always make you sad if it's the only time we've done it? Haven't we done it once before? Maybe. I think we did it one time before. I don't remember which movie it was. But yeah, we, we've done it once before and I'm hmm. like, oh. Yeah, it's definitely different when you don't get to watch together. But that's fine because, I mean, I don't know what your reaction to it was. So I'm going into this blind. completely blind. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because I don't know what you, th- you told me to watch it, that we should do it for Netflix and kill. I don't think you said that I would like it. I think you just said watch it we'll do a netflix and kill on it and yeah i was like okay so i don't really know actually what you thought either i just fucking assumed that you liked it. <laughs> or that you told me that i'd like it i just told you that i watched it i yeah. didn't say nothing yeah about you it. didn't you actually didn't tell me so we don't know this is interesting we'll go in blind yeah so it is uh like you said 2017 it is a psychological horror thriller film so definitely one of those films that's not like uh you know cheap and tawdry i think it's like not, katie likes it's not yeah like i live um it's not overtly horror but obviously it's based on a stephen king novel so it is definitely horror but i think especially watching the way that the trailer does things they definitely spin it as more a psychological thriller but there are some very strong uh horror elements in this film yes i feel completely confident doing this as a netflix and kill because that there are strong horror elements that maybe aren't as evident from the trailer initially yeah so uh it's also um directed by mike flanagan who if you didn't know did dr sleep did he mm-hmm. oh cool i can totally see that actually now yeah, that you mention it i can absolutely done see a that. few like netflix like supernatural horror series and stuff like that so um but i think like he did oculus uh he also did hush which was another great uh, another good one but uh mm-hmm. like major major dr sleep would be the most uh yeah uh the most recent that okay. he did um so yeah, directed um, uh, and also uh, wrote the screenplay for it as well uh, with Jeff Howard. Like you said, is based on the 1992 novel of the same title, um, which apparently was long thought to be unfilmable. I could see that because it is kind of um, it's very uh, hmm. the scenery or I guess the setting of the film was very isolated. 
Yeah, like so one it's space. Not... In fact, I thought it was actually based because I've never read the novel Gerald's Game. I thought it was actually based on a short story before I kind of looked into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because it seems so much more like a short story to me than a novel. Like I'm like, who the fuck can take this plot and turn it into a novel? Because it seems so, um, I guess, well suited for a one sitting read. Yeah. Um, so I, but I think it translated very well to film. Should we get into the uh, plot synopsis? Yeah. So I mean, the the plot synopsis is really simple. Mm-hmm. So you have a couple that are going on um, to they're sort of retreating to a house, uh, not quarantining themselves, but in a way, kind of. In a are, way, they are. Yes. Um, for uh, just you know some nice alone time, and then they try to have some sexy time. I think the point they're really trying to like spice up their sex life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they want to try some things. It very much has the, like, the whole uh, vacation weekend, whatever, weekend getaway, I guess we could call it. Yeah. Um, has the air of, right from the very start, it has the air of, like, we trying to save our marriage. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. if you've ever been in a relationship where, um, excuse me, let me turn my fucking notifications off. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever been in a relationship, like, towards, that didn't work out. Like, towards the end, there's that, like, air of desperation of, like, we have to fucking save this marriage. Um, And it very much, like, from the very beginning, the film did a really good job of establishing that vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, So you definitely felt like there was a whole lot riding on... (laughs) There's a whole lot riding (laughs) on them riding um, that particular weekend. So that was was good. Um, So we get to this weekend getaway house. Um... We kind of uh, very quickly, I think they cooked dinner and then very quickly afterwards retired to the boudoir. Yes. And um, we see, you know, it's an, it's an, I don't want to, maybe like a middle-aged couple. She looks really fucking young, by the way. She's super hot um, and super young looking. But, and maybe that's a dynamic actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bruce Greenwood, is his name Greenwood? Yeah, Bruce Greenwood. Yes. Love him, first of all. Silver Fox. First of all, ain't no man his age looking like that yeah, with his I shirt off. I think he plays he plays in like a TV show that my husband watches now. It's a medical TV show. He plays like the the hospital director or someone like that. But he's really like he's definitely silver. He Fox, also like. plays Admiral Pike in the Star Trek reboot. So oh, it, okay. it's, he's just fucking fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, we. Yeah. We stand. Um, doesn't work out too well for him, though, in this movie. No, it doesn't work out too well for him. Um, he is Silver Fox. He's looking good. He's looking like he's been doing his cardio. He's looking like he's been doing his workouts with his shirt off. Um, he pops a little blue pill um, and then decides that he's going to, you know, take charge, mm-hmm. save this marriage. Yeah. Um, now, we see in the opening credits when he was packing for this trip, he like packs his bag all nice and then he lays this pair of like metal handcuffs on top of like his his shit in his bag. And yeah. here's the thing, Bruce or Gerald. You just 
I, I just need you to read more blogs. You know what I mean? Look into it a little bit deeper um, because metal handcuffs, not what we want to be using. They can like cut your wrist. They can fucking put marks and shit all upon you. And they're not very comfortable. Now, the idea, I get it, is not to be comfortable, but there are far better restraints and far safer restraints that we can use to save this marriage. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, if you know what I'm saying, then you know what I'm saying. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I think they all know what you're saying. <laughs> so... Anyway, he, Gerald, bless him, um, is going to use these handcuffs to uh, spice things up a little bit. So he um, handcuffs her to the bed, which is this gorgeous four-poster sturdy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they proceed to go into foreplay. Unfortunately, there's not very much foreplay. And he's very aggressive. And she's very not into it. And he's very not reading the signs that she's not into it. And... um, and that also is the second strike against Gerald for me, because um, I'm gonna need you to read read some signs of your partner. The entire I could I couldn't help but um, think of the entire BDSM community watching this film through their fingers, like me. At least this part of the film, because mm-hmm. it's just like you're doing you're fucking it all up, you fucking every single thing up. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh. So then you know she kind of uh protests. And then they have fight and the whole time she's still cuffed to the bed and she's like, can you just please take me out of these damn cuffs? And then he proceeds to be a supreme asshole by having a fucking heart attack and dying. <laughs> supreme asshole. <laughs> so he dies, rolls off the end of the bed. Um, and then, you know, she attempts to yell at him to wake him up, but he's clearly fucking dead. Um, a dog that we meet earlier that she was feeding a steak to that he got mad at her for feeding the steak to because um, apparently it's some fancy schmance fucking USDA approved fucking steak, fucking steak. I don't yeah know. but um I would have fucking vetted to the dog too to be perfectly honest with you steak's not my thing but anyway uh dog comes back in apparently they left their fucking front door open while they were having sex like not just unlocked but open because the dog just rolls up mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah who leaves their door, like, their front door standing wide open when they having sex? I mean, this Y'all was just a house the neighborhood that is? is, like, out in the middle of nowhere. So I don't think they had, like, neighbors. I mean, but again, you need to shut the door, at least the screen door, because we're going to get flies. Flies ain't sexy. <laughs> I'm telling Especially you. Especially with all that meat. Especially with all that meat. <laughs> anyway, so the dog comes in and starts eating Gerald. That's really uh, unfortunate. Um that's going to be a capital T trauma for our girl. Um, and <laughs> that's kind of, and you see, by the way, you see all of that. The reason we haven't thrown up the spoiler alert is because you see all of that in the trailer. So the trailer, if you've seen it before you watch the movie, um, which doesn't really make a difference if you do or if you don't, mm-hmm. but you get all that from the trailer that that's what happens. So, And it's kind of the whole point of the film. Yeah, it's like, the, it's the premise. It's, it's like the, the whole setup. premise. Like yeah. when you read, even if I, th- I think if, even if you read it on Netflix, it tells yeah. you. Yeah. So it's like not anything. It's not a spoiler. That we're spoiling there. Yeah. That's kind of the premise. It all happens in the first like yeah. 15, And so minutes. the point is, is that, you know, her, her husband has now perished and she's stuck in these goddamn handcuffs, has nowhere to go. Uh, because house- why? Because why third strike against fucking Gerald? He didn't leave the key. Somewhere where she could reach it in case something happened. Yes. Which is something you should always do. If you're using rope, have a knife somewhere nearby. If you're using cuffs, have the key somewhere nearby. 
Yes, safety. Fucking rookie mistake. <laughs> Katie feels. Don't let me see you do it. I will roll up in your bedroom. <laughs> um. So yeah, and her, the whole point is that she is now stuck to this to this bed and has no way out. I believe that she. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I think she had a glass of water. Yes. Like on a shelf. Above oh, we're gonna the bed. talk about the shelf, my baby. <laughs> I promise you we're getting into the shelf. Um and so she's trying to figure out how to get out. It's very from this point on, it's very um internal, like monologue. Yeah, type. so so since she can't yeah. get she's physically restrained. So she's physically restrained to the bed. She can't like go anywhere um the journey at that point kind of takes it kind of goes inward and so then she begins an an inner journey through her bullshit and she starts um hallucinating um that her husband is like i mean it's basically like his ghost that she's seeing sort of but he is actually a projection of a voice inside her own head Mm -hmm. and then there's a projection of herself that she sees that is an an um an alternate voice basically in her own head and they're kind of arguing um, and talking to her and it's kind of like it's all her talking to herself but they're personified as you know her husband and herself um, so I guess spoiler alert right yeah I think we should throw up the spoiler alert now so if you want to go watch Gerald's game pause the episode go watch it it's an hour and 20 minutes pretty tight and then come back okay now that they're out of now that they're gone and it's just us <laughs> tied to the bed. <laughs> Safely, though. Safely. with Because we threw up that spoiler alert. For reasonably you. loose restraints and an escape key right there. Yes. Um, so at this point, this is where we start getting our horror angle. This is where that starts coming in. There's a concept that's referred to as the Moonlight Man. And he is this fucking big ass, deformed looking, super tall, super like thin, but with this big scary head um, creature who is, she's afraid of one particular dark corner of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And there's a concept of isolation, being alone, being by yourself. Um, Her husband has this great monologue where he hits that really hard of like, Um, people who are alone, people who are with other people are Mm -hmm. safe, but people who are alone are in danger uh, by this moonlight man um, who is in some ways a personification of death, but also something slightly different. He carries this box that has trinkets in it and bones in it. um, And supposedly the lore that's sort of laid down for us is that if you're alone, um, he can come kill you and he'll take a, a small bone that nobody will miss and a trinket. And for her, the trinket was like her wedding band. So that's sort of set up. But at the same time that we're dealing with that, which is, by the way, fucking scary, um, we're dealing with our girl is dealing with her inner trauma. So mm-hmm. she's reflecting on um, on her own trauma that stems all the way from her childhood. So when she goes inward, we discover that her father actually sexually abused her. Yes. And there was a particular day, um, I guess it may have been the first day that it happened, where there was an eclipse and she is sitting on a park bench. Her other siblings had gone off to play. She's sitting on a park bench. Um, she's like preteen. I think she said she was 13. 
um, her mom at one point in that flashback sequence yeah, said uh, that she was 12. 13. I think she 12? was 12, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so she is sitting on a park bench and then there's this whole cringy scene that is like absolute. I mean, the way that they did it was very well done, but it was so fucking cringe that I was like, like I was, I was literally watching that scene through my fingers because it yeah. was just like, so, um, very cringy, huge, 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 um, trigger warning for anybody who has issues with, sexual assault, sexual abuse, anything like that, um, manipulation by adults, uh, any trauma that you have surrounding that, this film will fucking trigger it. Um, so just know that going in. Um, so anyway, um, she, we see that sort of happen and apparently it was an ongoing thing um, that she was abused in this way and it's something that she never really owned. We see her father manipulating her to into basically um, swearing to never tell anybody. Um, Saying that he was like ashamed of her and then like all of this other bullshit. It's like, like it's a kind common... Of like, yeah, like putting it on her like it was her fault. Yeah, it's a very common tactic of abusers and in fact if, if you know, anybody, I know that um, we have a couple of people in our community who are interested in psychology um and those types of things if you're um at all interested in abuser behavior and like why people don't speak out if they're abused this film actually has um i thought it did a really great job of kind of showing you how abusers manipulate their victims um or their targets because i don't like the word victim um into keeping silent yes right Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that they can kind of flip that and reverse it and really, especially with a younger person, fuck their mind all up. So, so we get to see this whole, you know, she's on this journey and we're seeing it piece by piece of her kind of coming to terms with her trauma. All the while she is in present time handcuffed to this bed and she can't escape. Um, she and and then we also have the storyline we have the dog who's sitting there watching and also eating her husband um which is happening in real time and then we have this moonlight man who's fucking terrifying yes um he was used so effectively definitely um well i I think at one point because it starts to blur the line of like is this real or is this like like what is he? Right. I guess we should finish. I guess before we get into a discussion of the moon, of the Moonlight Man and what he actually is, we should probably finish the plot synopsis. Yeah. So um, eventually, uh, our heroine devises a way out of um, her restraints mm-hmm. um, by degloving her fucking hand. Um, and it, uh, by the way, it was a really well done degloving. It was um, quite accurate. If you've Ooh. ever looked into things like that, it was it was really, really, really well done. Um, I just hate that term. Degloving. I'm like, oh, oh it's that bad. term oh, sends yeah. chills down my spine. Like, oh yeah. I just don't even. Mm, ooh. Yeah, it's a teeth grating uh, term for sure. Um, so she basically degloves her fucking hand. That water glass that Kenny mentioned earlier comes into play. Yeah. And. Um, she is able to slip out of the restraints. She's able to go get the car keys. Um, she's able to get into the car. But on her way out of the house, the midnight man blocks her path. She walks up to him, takes her wedding band off, puts it in his box, and he allows her to pass. 
So she gets in the car, is driving down the road. She's in and out of consciousness because she's losing a shitload of blood from this hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's driving, driving, and she sees the Moonlight Man in the back of her car. He leans forward, whispers a nickname that her father called her, which is Moose, and she crashes the car. At this point, we have two people who were chilling in their fucking home, I imagine, and mm-hmm. then heard this lady crash into a tree, and good on them. They actually went out under cover of darkness with a flashlight to see what the racket was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a questionable decision, but yeah. it's a good one that they made because they were able to save her. But yep. Kenny and I, nah, bro, I, I don't. We might have to wait until the morning. <laughs> we, we might have to. Call the authorities. We're going to be calling 911. That's true. leaving it at that. Yeah, we're going to make a phone call, um, and we'll be here to give a statement afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, she survives. And then, in the epilogue of the film, we discover that all was maybe not as it seemed. Apparently, uh, the Midnight Man was actually a, a real... Um, character in the scope of the film and he was this crazy ass dude who was going around robbing graves and desecrating corpses and raping people in the night and eating people Um, apparently he had like tied his mother and father up or or the two people he was living with who he called mama and papa Mm -hmm. and he had eaten like most of one and and it was very um, it was very disturbing and so he had been caught after that months after this and after the action of the film and he was being arraigned so he was in court and our heroine um is writing this letter explaining all of this how all of this came to be and she saw him in the newspaper and recognized him and she shows up to his court trial and um is able to walk up to him and um she walks right up to him looks him in the face and says um you're not so big up close yeah um and then she turns around which was a reference to something that she had said to her father during the abuse scene that you see. Yes. So, um, and then that that's kind of the note that the film ends on. Obviously, a lot of hidden meaning there, a lot of, um, a lot of stuff to get into. So shall we discuss? Yeah. So this Moonlight Man definitely... Um, at one point, and I don't remember, like I said, it's been a minute since I saw this, but if I'm not mistaken, I remember thinking that, was the dog, the dog was real, right? The dog was real. The dog I, was I real. I believe the dog was real. There's no definitive, like, the answer man, on it, but I think it was real. Well, I know the Moonlight Man had a thing with eating male faces, like the male victims were... He oh. would eat their face. Yeah. So, and that would be why Gerald's face was disfigured. So maybe, so I'm trying to think if there was a, you know what I mean? Like if the dog was sort of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So we see he, the, the dog. dog was eating on Gerald. But yeah. We, we know we, that. We see the dog initially before any of the, before we even get to the bedroom. Um, we see the dog and she's interacting with the dog and feeding it steak. So it could be that her mind took that image of the dog and then kind of ran with it mm-hmm. so that she could, um, because our, our, our brains are so interesting in the way that we, the defense mechanisms that they build and put in place and the way that we're able to use the power of our mind to protect ourselves. So it's possible that, you know, this, that nobody was real. And only the Moonlight Man was actually real in the context of the film. And he was actually eating Gerald's fucking face Mm -hmm. in front of her. And her mind 
rather than to acknowledge that fucking awful vision invented that the dog was here and the dog was eating his face and whatever. Because remember, there was that foot, that bloody footprint that her image of her husband, her projection of her husband pointed out to her and was like, if he's not real, like, why is there... Why is footprint there a bloody in the blood? Yeah. Um, so it's possible, actually, that that dog was not real the second time the dog appears, that the dog wasn't real at all, which would actually make sense because it goes back to my point of why would you have left your fucking, like, if the, for the dog to get in, the door would not only need to be unlocked, it would need to be standing wide open because dogs don't have fucking thumbs. They can't right, open doors, right. most of them. Right. So that actually would connect with that because how would the dog have even gotten in? How would the dog have gotten in? It would have been the moonlight. It would have been him. So actually now I think that this man was fucking eating this dude's face. The whole time. Which was fucking absolutely horrible. And then he was just probably chilling in the house the whole time. New realization. God (laughs) bless. Anyway. Woo. That's rough. Um, So uh, where was my other point? Um. So obviously, as she is kind of forced, people who have been through trauma often, especially if they haven't addressed it with a therapist and and taken specific measures to work through it, especially trauma as deep as this, um, as capital T trauma as this, um, often people try to subvert it, they try to push it down, and people work, you know, we're we kind of exist in patterns. And so if they haven't dealt with that trauma and truly worked through it, they find themselves repeating the cycle. And that's where our heroine is. She's repeating the cycle. Um, her father was controlling and semi, semi-abusive. semi I mean, he was abusive for sure. But she finds herself with a new husband who is just as controlling as her father and who is abusive in a really insidious way. We see from the very brief interaction that we see between our heroine and her husband, we see the small ways that he is abusive to her, that he's trying to control her, that he's, um, that he feels like she is beneath him. Um, one is because he doesn't recognize that she's clearly having issues with the restraint thing. Mm -hmm. Two is because she makes reference to, um, his rape fantasy. Um, which she clearly is not into, but he is sort of forcing her into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's lots of little tells if you watch this person. I would encourage you to, um, especially if you're younger. I mean, maybe you shouldn't watch this movie if you're younger. But especially if you're like towards the early 20s, if you're kind of um, just getting into like the serious long-term dating thing, watch this movie and watch for the little tells. There are red flags all over with this dude. And there's a lot of people who are this way. And um, if you don't spend a lot of time thinking about trauma and abuse and things like that, I do because it's part of the scope of my job. But watch his behavior and learn to spot those small signs. If somebody is not, if you are clearly uncomfortable, visibly uncomfortable, and somebody is not acknowledging that, especially somebody that you're in the context of a relation, of a romantic relationship with, there's something wrong there. Yeah. And it's going to become a big problem. Yeah. And you might not end up literally handcuffed to a bed with no way of escaping, but 
you could end up figuratively handcuffed to a bed with no way of escaping. Well, I think that was kind of the whole point (laughs) of this this film and her story as Mm -hmm. a character. Mm -hmm. Um, And you sort of see that growth. I mean, not only at the end of the film has she found a way to release herself from her physical restraints, but also Mm -hmm. the ones that sort of have been holding her back this whole time. She sort of um, has... You know, she's seen, like, she makes that final statement in the courtroom, and it's sort of like, to me, it was like putting her demons to rest. Absolutely, and yeah. And walking out of the courtroom and finding, you know, finding herself and mm-hmm. finding her true power. Yeah, and in the epilogue when she's writing, be- because she was restrained physically and under such duress, she was forced to go within herself and confront her younger self and confront the trauma that she experienced mm-hmm. and actually catalog what happened, which is part of, um, I thought the film was really well done in that, that is, that's actually part of how trauma is dealt with clinically. You have to go back to it and you have to go through it and you have to look at each thing that happened and you have to digest it. And the process for doing that is different for different people and in different approaches clinically. Yeah. But but it is always that process of you have to look at what happened and you have to own what happened. And there were parts of her memory that I felt like she hadn't spent, she, that she didn't quite remember and that the duress that she was under kind of helped her raise the stakes to the point that she could recover those pieces of memory of her story. So um, I think by the end of it, the Moonlight Man came to symbolize as a concept her trauma and her abuser, her various abusers, her husband, her father. um, And But what was cool, the cool twist, is that he was actually a real fucking dude um, who was terrifying, by the way. Fucking... Terrifying. Well, it adds an actual, like, like not only the fact that she is, like, locked up and, you know, if she couldn't figure out a way, I mean, like I said, she had no way to get food, no way to contact anybody. She just had that one glass of water. And I think mm-hmm. at the start of it, you have this sort of, like, you know, internal monologue that's like, okay, I've got this water. I can maybe, you know, last for, like, X amount of days yeah. and this and that and whatnot. Um, but... The fact that at the end that this Moonlight Man turns out to be real just sort of adds like a like he really could have just gutted your ass right there, girl. Well, that's the Stephen King twist. You know, that's what takes it from being a story about trauma to that. For me, that element of him actually being real is what elevates us to horror. That along with a few cuts in the film that were made that were absolutely incredible. Like the editing. There's one scene where we're, it actually may have been it was the super super cringe scene where on the bench at the eclipse where her father is like um, being a fucking piece of filth. Um we're so invested in that scene and we're so cringe at that scene and we're so captured like absolutely as a viewer and then there's that quick cut back to her toes at the end of the bed her feet at the end of the bed and the moonlight man is like sucking on her toes yeah and he has these fucking terrifying eyes the makeup is incredible the design of that character is incredible and that cut was sheer horror yeah like it was absolutely i mean i think i even like screamed which is also a sexual reference in and of itself for sure for sure it was just really well done it was very smartly done but we also had that that core of horror with the snappy editing and with the like that was a perfect jump scare for me and i hate jump scares you know i i think they're 
I think they're lowbrow. I think they're common. I think they're trash most of the time. <laughs> I, I'm just not. I, I think it's just such a such an effortless way to try to scare somebody. And being that you know we've done the haunted house scene. Once you work haunted houses for long enough, like you you kind of become impervious to most jump scares because it's just like. You're used to random ass shit just coming out from around Listen, corners at your face. Not me, bitch. I still, I'm a <laughs> jumpy ass bitch and I love it and I'll own it. I'm a jumpy ass bitch and I do haunts and I do horror and I still jump. And it it's just fine. doesn't, I just don't get, I don't know. I just don't, usually jump scares well, don't work on me and they piss me off. Or if they do work on me, they piss me off right after. But that particular one, fucking incredible. And well, there's another one later in the film when she's driving the car and she looks up at the rearview mirror. And he he's fucking sitting there. That one worked on me too. The jump scares in this film were seldom used, but very good. Yeah, I don't think um, Mike is actually known for a lot of jump scares. No, but he uses them so well. When he does do one, it's yeah. it's used like perfectly. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely noted for like focus. It's more like yeah. character focused. Yeah. Um, which I love. I love it. Um, yeah. So should we should we read some tomatoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you want to read the splat this time, and I'll read the tomato? Yes. Yeah. All right. So let me pick a tomato. I love a good tomato. I had a tomato I'll read sandwich. The, I'll earlier. read the. You've you've had a lot of tomato sandwiches recently. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'll read our you. first tomato. The tomato. Do you want meter. me? Do you want me to read the splat first though, so we can end on like a on a good note? Yeah. Sure. On a good vibe. Yeah. All right. You do that. All right. So, uh, Alan S, because I don't want to get sued for putting his fucking name out there from the Village Voice, uh, says, quote, in bursts between the memories and the ghostly Who's Afraid of Stephen King playlists, Flanagan shows that he probably could have made a leaner, meaner, more suspenseful film, end quote. Here's the problem I have with you, Alan, from the Village Voice. Um, first of all, your reference to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf doesn't make you seem like a smart, cultured person. It makes you seem like a fucking asshole, because what we're talking here is horror. Secondly, Alan, um, I don't know how you would, ex- I don't know how you could expect a leaner, meaner, more suspenseful film, because the film is an hour, 20 minutes tight. I actually think it's like an hour and 17. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty fucking lean. Yeah, it's not. There's not really any wasted time and more suspenseful. I don't know about you, but I was like on the edge of my seat because. Oh, totally. Of all of this, like very. Well, I mean, it's, heavy, it's like a emotional. Yeah. Work. I mean, it even starts out that way. It's like a it's like a countdown. She's like, OK, like this is what I've got to do. I only have X amount of time to live. Yeah. Like it's very much like let's yeah, get to the fucking the point. stakes were super high and the suspense. Yeah. Was there. I don't know that they know the, what they're talking about. So. Ellen, have a cappuccino and chill the fuck out. I mean, we are talking about the village voice. Um, anyway, okay, so, and then for our tomato, we have uh, CHN from the father son, Holy Gore. Yes. Uh, explores the dichotomy of truth and lies in a marriage, how men can transform into dangerous foes instead of mm. husbands to the wives they supposedly love. It's true. That's true. Yeah, but, I, but I do want to say, as much as Gerald had those qualities of um of red had those red flag qualities um which would have landed him directly into marriage counseling with me immediately before we even got married um relationship counseling if you will um she our main character had not dealt with her trauma and because she had not dealt with her trauma gerald 
was not given the information that he would have needed to be able to care for her appropriately as a spouse. So I would encourage anybody who is struggling with trauma like that to work through it, to own it, and and to be able to communicate effectively with those around you who do love you and want to care for you and support you. Yeah, essentially they needed counseling, not a fucking weekend away with some BDSM. Yeah, you didn't need to fuck. You needed to go to, you needed counseling, to counseling. Both of you. To you needed it together and probably you. separately. 100%. 100%. Separately and then together. So um, I guess let's get into what do you think? Do you chill with this film or do you – are you going to kill it? So I chill with this film. Um, I think it was very good. I think it had very important messages. I think that the imagery was very good. I think it was very well done. Um, I think it, it's the perfect kind of um, horror with a message that I love with some good jump scares uh, thrown in there. So that was great. The only fucking critique that I have is why did they put that kind of shelf above her when she could clearly have lifted that shelf up and then gone to town on that fucking bedpost and gotten out like within 15 minutes. I promise you. She, If you watch the water glass scene, she mm-hmm. lifts up one side of that shelf. Yeah. So that shelf, the way that shelf is made, there's two things that are bolted into the wall and that shelf is sitting on top of those two holders and it's not adhesed to the fucking wall. Yeah. So just lift the shelf up and then use it to bludgeon the fucking bedpost till it breaks and get, your, get yourself out of trouble. No need yeah. to deglove yourself, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, that caveat, change the fucking shelf to something she couldn't have easily lifted and gotten out. Yeah. I chill with this film. Yeah. What about you? Um, so for me, I I'm gonna give this a very lukewarm chill. Mm. I'm gonna give it a very lukewarm chill for me. Um mainly because of the fact that for me. Um, I just don't think that a lot of the rewatchability is there. Like I kind of, I, for me, it was like, I watched it once I got it and like, I'm good. I don't know if it's necessarily a film that I would, you know, come back to this, you know, to, to sort of say, so, which is why I give it a lukewarm chill. I think that it had, I like the themes. Um, I like, you know, the idea of, um, the Moonlight Man, which was really terrifying, and I liked the ending. I think it had a solid ending that it, you know, I think it was a solid film for the, like, hour and, uh, what was it, like, hour and hour 17, 17 minutes? Think. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, like, the hour and 17 minutes that it is. So I think it's, it's a great uh, horror film to just, like, get in and watch really quickly. Like, if you want to watch something in between, like, you know, tasks in your day or something like I that. I don't know about that because there are some deep themes on this that could seriously yes, like but what I'm saying is, is that your ass. if you're like, if you're like some people who, you know, want to pop in a quick horror film to like watch throughout your day, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a horror film that you have to devote, you know, two plus hours to and have some sort of like layers upon layers upon layers of psychoanalysis to to get through like for me i i think the themes in this one you're not gonna so the film is a tight hour 17 but i think that you're gonna be thinking about it and potentially impacted by it for for hours and hours afterward particularly if you have some issues with um with trauma in your past i wasn't i could not watch this in between tasks I mean, and that's fine. I had that to was sit that and process and digest. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's to, that's completely uh, but it hits that's completely different. True, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I mean, for me, it was just sort of like a quick, like, all right, here we go. Here's what this is. Here are the themes. Processed it. Okay. Kind of move, yeah. kind, and then kind of move forward. So, either way, I I think that if you know, I think it can hit people different. Like as you say, for sure. Yeah. Um. Because now I want to rewatch it. With the whole realization of, like, the dog probably wasn't real. Like, now I want to rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, so I chill with it, but it's, like I said, it's a lukewarm chill. Got it. All right. If there That's exists such know. a thing. You're such a man. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Yeah. We was... are interested to hear your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know how it hits for you. Um, send us an email at the haunted heart podcast at gmail.com. You can shout us out on Instagram at the haunted heart podcast or on Twitter at the haunted heart. Um, and you can always find us in our Facebook group on facebook.com slash the haunted heart podcast. Um, give us a like, write us a review on Facebook. If you want, write us a review on your podcast app. If you want to help the show in a way that is free and cool. And just in case you have a little extra coin laying around that you would like to send our way, you can check us out on patreon.com slash the haunted heart. We have a lot of extra bonus content on there. If you are stranded at home and you maybe you're handcuffed to a bed and you need something to keep your attention, (laughs) um, you can check out all of the exclusive Patreon content that we have there to keep you company yeah, during keep, this global pandemic keep us company not the midnight man yes yeah you don't want him watch us instead of watching him. him suck your toes right just you know don't worry about it don't worry about it so much you learn to like it it's fine no harm no foul you know you sure about stretch that? your horizons okay well <laughs> guys well we're all uh you know heeding her advice here and stretching our horizons on uh, creepy moonlight men sucking her toes. Uh, you know what you gotta do until that time. You gotta stay spooky. spooky.